Welcome to Export Stories, a podcast featuring first-person insights from the wide and sometimes crazy world of U.S. exporting. Your host for Export Stories is Betsy Olam, president of Olam International, a U.S.-based export management company. Betsy has made a 37-year career of developing global sales and distribution for U.S. companies. Like you, she loves great stories. You don't have to be an exporter to enjoy the stories we're going to share with you each month. We're so glad you've joined us. Now, here is Betsy to introduce today's podcast. Hello, bonjour, hola, konnichiwa, nihao, marhaben, namaste, and shalom. Welcome back to Export Stories 2022. I'm your host, Betsy Olam. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about one of the fundamental needs of an exporter, global marketing. We're very fortunate to have with us an expert and author in the field, Wendy Peace, the owner of Rapport International. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Bobby LaHare, founder and CEO of Spoken Here Language Services. We're in the business of building better relationships worldwide. Every great relationship is rooted in great communication, and great communication starts with Spoken Here. We envision a planet where differences in language do not keep people from building deep and meaningful connections with one another. Our passion for and expertise in foreign languages help our business clients enter new markets, strengthen their brand, and grow. Spoken Here is an ISO 9001 certified company delivering on-demand remote interpreting, translation, and voiceovers in more than 300 languages. With linguistic experts in over 80 countries, we are well positioned to meet the demanding foreign language needs of our clients in a rapidly changing global economy. Our clients span many industries, including healthcare, manufacturing, marketing, legal, and nonprofit social services, to name just a few. We translate websites, contracts, product packaging, installation manuals, marketing materials, and much more. If your project calls for audio in another language, our professional voiceover talents can make you sound great anywhere. And our trained remote interpreters can facilitate conversations with your employees, customers, and patients who do not speak your language. We believe our language services are the best in the world, but we feel it is our team that truly makes the difference. Our core values of putting people first, valuing authenticity, and striving to deliver a wow experience to everyone we work with have guided us in creating a culture of quality, integrity, and excellence. If you are ready to build better relationships with the people your business values most, we'd love to hear your story and how we can help you write the next chapter. Visit us today at Spoken-Here.com. Spoken Here, building better relationships worldwide. And now we're back with Wendy Pease, owner of Report International. Hello, Wendy. Welcome to the podcast. I feel like I should say bonjour, hola, namaste, <laughs> guten tag. <laughs> Thank you. Know you. It. It's great to be here. <laughs> you too. And you know it in more languages than I do. So that, that sounds good. <laughs> I, I like that. Um, so yeah, let's start by having you introduce yourself and tell us, you know, a little bit about your background and how you came to create your business. Sure. Yeah. My um, 
background, it's, it was fun when I turned around a few years ago and I went, wow, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. If I think about what I was interested as in a child, what I thought about doing in high school, what I majored in in college, like all that has aligned to where I am. Where I am is owner and president of Rapport International. We specialize in global marketing. We do all high quality translation and, uh, and interpretation services translation is written interpretation is spoken and so um, I got here but just by chance I was laid off on maternity leave and oh, I met somebody at a venture forum who said you're not well, why supposed don't... to do that by the way no uh, I don't do that if you're listening just don't do it you're not supposed to do it I know. Law, but that kind of happened to don't do it <laughs> yeah, don't do it. It's just, it's just mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway. But, you know, as mean as it was 17 years later, uh, here I am owner of a company. My son was six months old when I bought the company because I wanted something uh, that would be family friendly to run. He's going off to college and I'm still running this baby, this business. <laughs> that is so great. Great, great story in itself. Um, so yeah. And, um, so you have a book, the language mm -hmm. of global marketing. Um, so let's go into some of the meat of what exporters should know about global marketing. First, you know, the basics, what are the reasons for going global? What, what do you say to people about when they're thinking about, uh, creating an export market? Uh, all the statistics show that you're hugely more successful if you do business cross borders, mm -hmm. if you're exporting. So you've got higher revenues, higher profits, higher valuations, you're more stable, you pay higher salaries. Um, so that's one reason is your business is going to do well. The second is that there's a whole bunch of free supports from the government to help you. You can get grants, you can get advice, you can get introductions um, mm -hmm. because our balance of trade is so far off. So if people aren't doing it, they should reach out to you and <laughs> figure out a strategy and reach out to me to figure out how to do global marketing. And then we can exactly. put them in touch with the people that can um, give them the grants and other introductions. Exactly. We have, we've had uh, representatives from some of those services, state and, and national. Uh, and just to add to what you said, um, it's a way to diversify your business because the market in the U.S. may be going one way and the markets in other parts of the world may be going another way. So, you know, sometimes they're aligned and sometimes they're not, but sometimes it's a better market uh, overseas or something. So, uh, it's always a good reason to diversify in, in that way as well. I just... Right. Absolutely. That's, uh, it, you know, so it's not only the buying markets that can be opposite each other, but also what's the currency doing. And so that's a way to make your company more stable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. um, I think we talked about statistics before, you know, that there's a value in them. How do you bring statistics into what you do in helping your customers? Well, I, you know, we were talking about the numbers of, of, of 
successful people, successful companies that are doing international trade, you can also take it down into looking at the numbers of those that translate are more successful than people who say uh, English is the global language or I'm going to use Google Translate. Um, and all the numbers show that even if people are bilingual, over 90% of them would rather be in a language of, with their native language. And over half of them are willing to spend more money if they can get information in their, their native language, even if they're bilingual. Right. That's interesting because, you know, I was, I was going to ask you, I mean, uh, uh, beginning exporters are asking, you know, can I sell internationally with just global English? And I think you're addressing that, that issue now. Yeah, it's so, I mean, you probably see it with companies that wanna go, that wanna export, they may think about going to an English language speaking country first. A lot of exporters do that and then they've got more competition. And it used to be that you could go into England and use that as a launch pad for going into the rest of Europe. Mm -hmm. But now with Brexit, you can't do that. You've got to have a mainland office. So going into a country like the Netherlands or Switzerland or Belgium, where you've got more multilingual people, um, you're going to have somebody that's bilingual English to help facilitate it. Yet by putting translation on your website, we see it. We see the companies that are adding translate, translation onto their website mm -hmm. with a clear navigation. <laughs> I see yeah. so many large companies that you have to know how to navigate to locations and then scroll down and then pick the office in another country right. and click on that to get to the translation. You know, you've got to make it easy to navigate, put the little globe up on the top right hand side, exactly. translate your drop down languages, and then have people go directly there, and they're much more apt to buy. Right, right. So you're saying like at the, the top right corner, whatever, there's English, Spanish, whatever, the different languages that they can choose it that way. Is that what you're saying? Saying just put the globe up there. Put a little okay. globe because everybody okay. recognizes that that's where you're going to navigate to languages. And then when you hit the drop down, don't put English, French, German, Chinese, Japanese, all written in English. You want to mm -hmm. translate those languages. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Because exactly. if I go to a Chinese website and English is written in Chinese, I'm not going to know how to get there. <laughs> Sounds you know? so simple, but exactly. Exactly. I see it all the time. And the other thing I say absolutely do not do is put the Google Translate plugin on your website. Yeah, yeah. That has the navigation problems, because if you ever go to a plugin, it, it's right. in your own language. And the second thing is, is it's such junk for translation that yeah. people will navigate away. They're not looking at it as like you're helping with me with translation. Exactly, exactly. So, all right, so let's talk about marketing uh, in its, you know, kind of purest forms. Um, when you advise uh, clients, how, how do you, what kind of advice do you offer on how to avoid mistakes and, and how, how do different firms handle some of these mistakes that are so common on the marketing side? Where do I start? That's such a yeah. wide open question. Oh, I love big, 
<laughs> broad question. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, that is, it's what's my, what my book's all about, translating yeah. your domestic strategies into international sales and profits. So I walk through a whole why you should be exporting or what, you know, the benefits of exporting. I hate the word should. Yeah. Um, and then it talks through who you can have do your translations, the, where you can use machine translation like Google Translate. Um, and so, you know, if I look at some of those is first develop a good inbound marketing strategy, okay? And in the book, I talk about how do you attract, engage, and delight customers? And there's content each of those places. So mm -hmm. if you have your English content and website uh, well laid out and you've got pieces of information that connect with buyers in each of those places, then you can pluck out what you need to translate, you know, what's popular content mm -hmm. um, and put on your website and help bring people through the buyer's journey right on yep. your website. Okay. So yep. that's number one is just make sure you have your, your inbound or your, your marketing set up um, mm -hmm. on there. The second thing is um, be very, very careful about who you pick to do your translation. So sometimes I'll hear internal employees or distributors are doing it. And a couple of my podcast interviews, um, I talked to people who discussed that. And um, one of them talked about um, having her internal employee do it it ended up costing them more money by the time you looked at that person's salary and then the opportunity cost of what they what she wasn't doing when she was doing the translation. So she was mm -hmm. supposed to be setting up trade shows and doing outreach and a week out of every month was spent doing translation. Mm -hmm. um, and the second one, uh, Zach Selch talked about, Randy Rogers was the first one that talked about the internal employee. The second mm -hmm. one was Zach Selch. He talked about distributors. He's an international salesperson. And he mm -hmm. said um, the distributor did so badly on the translation that it took them two years to recover in the marketplace. Goodness. Um, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't so, expect that. You would, I know that's very common to depend on your dealers. And in some, in some ways, you're, I mean, your dealers, your distributors are so important because they know the laws, the customs, the way the market works. But I think what you're saying, this is kind of a different animal is how they present your, uh, your sales uh, strategy, your product, your your product information, that kind of thing. It needs to, I guess, what you're saying, it needs to align with what your your own message. So imagine all the time that marketing people spend trying to figure out what makes us different, what are you know what's special about us, what we're actually selling, the benefits, you know, the whole so what, and you mm -hmm. take all that time that you've done. And you give it to somebody who's a salesperson that is bilingual. So mm -hmm. number one, they may not understand the original intention of your message because marketing okay. gets pretty creative with how they do the message. And the mm -hmm. second thing is they're salespeople. They're trained to close deals. And often their messaging is, is about pricing or just saying we're better. They're not getting into the nuances of the marketing. Mm -hmm. I absolutely am a huge fan of have a professional translator do your translation and then have the distributor 
look it over to see if they like it because that's like your marketing department running it by your sales team saying, hey, does this work for you? And then we just ask that you have the distributor um, track any changes if we're doing the translation because Mm -hmm. then we can come back and say, yeah, we agree with that. You know, that's Mm -hmm. just a slight word change. It's not changing the message. Or we can say, you know, that's completely changing the message. This is what it now says. Um, do you want to do that or not? So we're that voice in between you to help get into that that detail of the marketing. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Uh, the other one to be very careful of is so you you know be careful of your internal employees, be careful of your distributors, and then be careful of which agency you hire because over the last ten years since machine translation came in, agencies have really focused in on where they differentiate. So I know there are competitors that specialize in large quantities of content that they'll run through machine translation to get the gist of it and then just give you the the you know the document that you need translation. That's very handy in big legal cases, you know, international legal cases. There's other agencies that will do machine translation with post-human editing. So it saves a lot of costs, it's very fast, but it sounds clunky. So we've had clients come to us saying, now do you do human or do you do post-editing, you know, machine with post with human post-editing? We're all human. So anything that you're going for global marketing, you do want to find an agency that does all human translation and they're not leveraging the machine translation. Anything high quality or that you have uh, liability. Okay. Okay. I got mm-hmm. you. Um, so, or, well, let's talk about something that I think early on in an export program really can trip up an exporter and that's packaging and mm-hmm. uh, how, uh, how you approach uh, packaging from a marketing standpoint. Ooh, that's an excellent question. Not one I'm usually answered. So you really know your stuff. Yeah, packaging gets very interesting. Um, You know, first off, if you think about going into the European Union, you need a CE mark if you're under certain categories. So you've got to allow space for that. Um, And you've got to make sure you're, you're following the CE mark regulations. And that's all instruction manuals and safety. Let's just pause for just a minute. And there may be people listening that don't, they've heard of the CE mark, but they don't really know what it is. Do you mind kind of defining what that is for, for people? Sure. A CE mark is, it, it, it is a safety guarantee that certain industries have to put on their packaging and they have to disclose certain information. So it's like an underwriter's laboratory, like a UL mark you might see in the U.S., um, you know, I'm not sure how many people are familiar with that. Yeah. Um, but it, it happened, you have to have it on electronics, children's toys, um, anything. Medicine. Medicine. Yeah, anything that could cause some danger to the person who is using it. Right. And you have to translate the packaging and then the user manual and any disclosures or risks that have to go with it. So we do a lot of CE mark translation mm-hmm. because it's part of marketing and it's part of something that could give you liability. So this 
So on packaging, you've got to know whether you need a CE mark and you've got to go through the process of getting one of those. Now, the other thing on packaging is that packages sometimes can be very small and you could try to fit a lot of information just in one language on there. But when you start adding multiple languages on there, you've lost space. And so when you've got your package designer developing it, you want them to think about how are we going to add the other languages? You know, I mean, it goes so far back as to think about your distribution networks. Right. Like, right. are you going to distribute just in the U.S.? If it's just in the U.S., maybe you just have English and Spanish on there because that's very right. common here. Right. If you have North American packaging, you have English, French, and Spanish because for to meet. Uh, European requirements. Right. So the designer has to know where the packages are going to be distributed to be able to allow enough room for the translation on. Right. Now, when you do your packaging copy, you want to be very succinct. So the worst, the best way to get a bad translation is to have bad original con copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you can write it very succinct and clear, it's easier to translate and it's going to take less space. Right. Now, with allowing for space, you've got to allow for 30% more space. You know, so say your English takes yeah. up one line, you've got to allow a line and a third for any of the translations because... Um, it takes longer to translate something into another language. Um, yeah. And I can get into that for why, yeah. you know, next question. Right. So packages start with how you're going to distribute. You got to figure out if you need any CE marks on there or special labeling for the country. You've got to um, then allow extra space for it. And then you get into the actual content. So if it's a, a children's toy, we work with a lot of children toy translations. Mm -hmm. um, the marketing people get some very creative names. So who uh -huh. you're doing your translation, you want to make sure that they fully understand the culture, the two languages, so they can yeah. give a creative name. And right. then <laughs> if you're doing a packaging translation, you want to make sure that your website translator is the same one because you want your package very creative name to right. match the very creative name right. on your website. So yeah. there, I've given you a ton of information. No, on no, that's good. <laughs> I, I know there's stories out there about uh, names. You know, there's some there's some like classic stories about a name that means a word that means something totally different in a non-English uh, speaking, like a Spanish country or something that can just end up insulting someone when it had a very happy meaning here. So yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't even yeah. talk about that. I mean, I talked about the quality translation, but also testing names. Um, right. Ford launched the the Pinto uh, Pinto car down in uh, South America in the South America. And in one of the countries, Pinto stood for male genitalia. And so oh, yeah. it, I mean, it was horrible. So they were able to pluck the Pinto name off and then put Corsell on there. So it improved the sales. We worked with a client that um, creates a prod product called Take and Toss, which mm -hmm. they're little disposable plates, bowls, cups, silverware that mm -hmm. you use with children that you can either take them and reuse them by washing them, or you can toss them out because they're inexpensive enough. You don't need to worry about, well, that product went over to Europe and it flopped because Europeans, you have one or the other. Do you, mm. is it reusable or is it not? 
And so they came back and this was, this was before I had bought the company, but they came back and said, you know, we want to re-release this. And then I came on with the company and they said, okay, we have this name, Sava, S-A with the two dots over the A, V-A. Um, will this be okay? So we did market research on it and tested it throughout all the, the languages they were going to use it and ended yeah. up testing okay. They launched it over there and then the product did well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out. Just something else uh, to think about is is the meaning of, of the word you choose and if they translate, you know, how they translate into another language. So, yeah, that's... That's very interesting. This is probably a topic that could warrant its own podcast, but let's talk a little bit about how you uh, advise uh, your customers on how to retain their international customers. You know, perhaps you can give us a taste of how, you know, you approach that. Sure. So I was talking about the HubSpot flywheel earlier, that when you're doing inbound marketing, you want to attract, engage, and delight. So that would be, that's, you know, going on a circle, it's the flywheel. And the idea is if you engage and delight your clients, then they're so happy, they talk about you, and they send you referrals, and it, it starts that circle of business spinning faster and faster. Mm-hmm. So you can do a lot of the attract with your website copy with social media, you can translate it, you can put it out, and you can drive people to your website. Then if you have the easy navigation, they can go through and read about you. And um, Mm. Marcus Sheridan wrote a great book called They Ask, You Answer um, about the top five questions that people are looking for when they come to your website. So if you answer those on your website, then they want to get into a buying opportunity. So then you think about the buying opportunities. Can they go straight through your website to buy or do they need some sort of presentation? Will they need to watch videos? You know, how do you get them to become a client? Right. Um, and so with that, you want to think about your contracts, your onboarding information, your customer service reps, then you get into the delighting, which is where your question is. And they found that 75% of clients will not buy again, if the after sales support materials are not translated. So if you're not thinking about your customer journey and how you're servicing them and providing in-language support, you're Mm going to lose them. So you've done all that money to bring them on, make sure that you're you're servicing them there. Now, it's real interesting because oftentimes you start getting into having to need needing to talk with them or give them instructions. Um, and there's all different ways to do this. One is, you know, if you have to talk to them, telephone interpreting. It's a cheap way that uh, you can get on a phone, hold a conversation with somebody, have an interpreter on, you pay by the minute, there's no sign up charges or monthly fees, just for the minute you have somebody on, you're, you're talking with the client, you say, hold on for a minute, you dial a toll free number, you give your company code and within 20 to 30 seconds, you've got an interpreter on there that you can conference in and help facilitate. So you make sure there's clear understanding. Mm -hmm. Okay. If, if you need more than telephone interpreting your whole library of user manuals and how to videos, all those can be, you can put subtitles on them. 
-hmm. on the videos. And so people can go in there and they can search and figure out what they need for. And you can, you can use all this both in attracting clients and also servicing them. Sure. Um, we also provide video interpreters, live interpreters. If you do, you know, if you've built a community and have a users group um, and you're pulling people in for the conference, we have simultaneous interpreters for conference. So there's all ways that you can build connections um, with, with your clients to make sure that they're staying engaged with you and then referring clients on. Right, right. Okay, good, good. Um, now this is a little change of topic, but I think you and I both agree that diversity, equity, inclusion are important in your international marketing and development. Um, can you talk about how these help an international portfolio? Absolutely. There's so many examples of companies that had diverse workforces and increased the, their business because they were listening to their diverse employees. So one of my favorite ones is uh, Pepperidge Farms. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the cookies? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, so they have a lot of Spanish-speaking employees at their manufacturing plant. And they said, how come Latinos don't buy our cookies? And they said, well, you don't have our favorite flavor. You know, you don't have strawberry. <laughs> so they started they created one and that's when they attracted a whole whole client base i mean i was just listening to npr and there was a woman on there talking about makeups for people with uh black skin mm -hmm. dark skin and um prior i think it was the 80s or the 90s it was late i was shocked they, there was no cosmetic company that targeted people with darker skin. And so somebody founded a company and it took off because it was yeah. really geared towards the marketplace. But how could the cosmetic people not be talking to people that had uh, dark skin exactly. before that and manufacturing exactly. that? There actually was a company in Memphis. I happened to know that family uh, that, but it was, it, I don't, I don't know that it, it was an exporting company, but uh back in the 60s and 70s if you can believe it but there's it's pro there was probably a gap and and uh missing just a huge market like you say so yeah uh, no i i think if there's any car manufacturers listening to this you don't think of the woman you have no place to put your purse in a lot of cars i saw an ad for volvo yeah. that, that they're starting to do that but uh, you know if we had more women in car engineering and designing there would be a spot for purses <laughs> here here oh you know that is such a good point you know you're driving someone uh they get you're driving they're in the car with you and you say, do you mind if I stick my purse right by your feet there? You know, yeah, absolutely. Or you got to put it on the floor in the back seat. There's no easy place to reach it, put it, keep it clean. Yeah. Here, here. Oh, that's Yeah. Good. Now the other one that I hear, if there's anybody that's in uh, SaaS companies or technology, I don't know how many technology companies that I've talked to, you know, or that we've worked with, that mm -hmm. they develop the technology not thinking of other languages, and then people yep. from around the world can find them, and they haven't adapted it for other languages through their programming, so they have to really go back, so it's either clunky to get it started, or they got to right. go back and reprogram, so I'm telling people now, think global from the start, whether you go right. it or not, because right. people are going to find you online. 
Absolutely. That sounds very expensive if you don't think that out on the front end. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's that's good. That's yeah. And the other thing is, is that they um, it's it goes back to the research companies that are more diverse and inclusive um, are better in innovation and have a easier time hiring. Mm-hmm. So um, we have yeah. we have a case study on our website, Rapport Translations, that um, it, 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 we interviewed a manufacturing company that um, we work with to do some translation, and they're fully employed in this crazy marketplace because they've figured out how to hire people that speak different languages, don't have much English skills, but they're precision manufacturing, so they can be trained to do things over and over again. So mm-hmm. they figured out ways to uh, communicate that keep mm-hmm. people safe, give them opportunities for promotion, include them into the company culture. And it's, I mean, it's an amazing story. Oh, yeah. Well, we yeah. love, and, and I'd love for you to share a few other, you know, additional stories uh, that, you know, kind of, exemplify some of these uh, ideas that we've talked about today. Do you have any other stories you'd like to share? Yeah, another one um, that I use when I do uh, some webinars or speaking events about diversity and inclusion is um, making sure diversity, equity, inclusion can't just be a policy. It's got to start at the top. Mm -hmm. And so people who are diverse, and I know I do it looking for other women in an organization, if your senior management team is all one flavor, people Mm -hmm. who are diverse are going to go there and they're going to say, okay, none of those people look like me. I probably don't have much of a chance for advancement. Whereas you look at um, Slack, Mm-hmm. But they're, they do a lot to make sure that they're diverse and inclusive. Um, and so it start out, starts out with their senior management team. If you look at their website, has mm-hmm. all sorts of colors and, um, and it's got women and men. So, mm-hmm. you know, anybody that goes there can see that diversity. And then how they hire people. They've gone through different iterations and... Uh, they used to say, okay, we don't want to just bring people into the office and test them because we might bring our um, implicit bias into this. So we're going to let them do the technology tests at home. Well, they found that the men were outperforming the women. And the reason for that is, is men could get a quiet place at home to focus on it where the women had children. And so what they decided to do was offer an option. You could either take it at the office or you could do uh, the programming tests at home. So that leveled wow. the playing field. And then it's, it's continuous. So yeah. it's, it, it, you know, they a couple of years ago found that a lot of uh, Blacks were leaving the company um, and they dug immediately. So every year they do the assessment of it. Mm-hmm. And so they dug right into it. They didn't just go, oh, well, we're, you know, they didn't skip over yeah. it or not notice right. it doing the assessment, they could see what it is and then go back and research into what's going on. Was it just happen chance or is there something going on here? So there's, there's a lot. It's not, it's just, it's not just the right thing to do anymore. There's so much research and there's, there's companies all over that are really leveraging it and doing well by it. Definitely Not leveraging it, doing it successfully and benefiting from it. Yeah. So, and you know, it's going to be interesting moving forward. Some of the changes that COVID has brought about, there's just, there's, I think there's going to be a lot more um, 
partially working in the office, partially working at home. I don't think you're going to see 100% everybody going back to their offices uh, like it was before. Now, I don't know how that affects global marketing, but um, I think the fact that people be a lot more people are going to be working from home, I imagine there's going to be, you know, some things to think about in that regard. Absolutely. I've seen huge increases in global connections being made at the start of the world shutdown. Um, people were grounded, they couldn't travel. And so many, you know, we're in the US, we're very transactional. So we could meet, we could say, okay, you have a need, I have a need, we can work together, let's do business together. There are other company countries, most other countries are relationship driven. So I'm not going to do business to you with you until I get to know you and I like you and I develop more exactly. trust. Exactly. And so I'm sure you've advised a lot of American business people, you got to get over there and meet these people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Drink with them, or, you know, have, drink coffee, tea, drinks, whatever. <laughs> I know what you meet mean. Them, Just... Have a meal with them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And but, at the uh... beginning of COVID, I heard people saying, you know, internationally, well, when this stuff all settles down, schedule a trip, we'll have dinner and talk about it. Now yeah. I see people going, okay, let's schedule that webinar and get to know each other. Yeah. Or let's schedule yeah. this, this video call. I so I know I've been meeting way more people from right. global business right. events because we don't have to do the travel, which opens exactly. up our time. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, I think uh, everybody is adjusting to that change and it I think it's going to continue it just saves a lot of time and money and you know as long as you can you know get to know someone th this kind of face-to-face -face, uh, yeah it's it's not the same but it's so much better than telephone and we've had to learn how to adapt Exactly. I said this kind yeah. of face to face. That's because you and I are zooming right now. <laughs> Listen, like I realize what I meant, but uh, right. but anyway. So absolutely. Um, well, this was so interesting and fun, and um, I'm going to uh, post on. We're going to have an episode page where we'll have your website. We'll uh, post something about your book. The you know the name of your book and maybe if you want to give me how people can find it you know we'll post that too. Um, is there anything else you want to add uh, before we uh, close today? Yeah, sure. When uh, when everybody's caught up on all your episodes, if you'd like to know more about uh, global marketing or exporting, um, another one to listen to is the Global Marketing Show, which is the one that I host. Okay. And so um, sure. that's, uh, we've got all sorts of, of stories of people that are doing it. My book is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all the places that you look for. It's called okay. The Language of Global Marketing. I just, uh, I'll send you the links to that. Yeah. Um, I'll send you the links to the, the podcast. Oh, and then we have a whole, our website is Rapport Translations. It's like the French word to build rapport. Mm -hmm. And it's spelled R-A-P-P-O-R-T. Right. 
www.translations.com and we have a resource center on there. So you can go in and search for any topic that you want. Okay. Um, and we've got something. And if it's not there, let us know. We'll write something up. We'll put a video up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's very accommodating. Well, uh, yeah. we have really enjoyed talking to you today. I really appreciate you taking the time. And and uh, this was this was a really good talk. And um, so to our listeners, we'd love to get a conversation going about this episode. And, you know, of course, we'd like to have general discussions about exporting as well. But, you know, please reach out to me on exportstoriespodcast.com, where you'll find all of our current and po past podcasts. Uh, and like I said, I'll be posting information about Report International as well. So uh, we'll we're also on Facebook and LinkedIn. So anyway, we're creating a community of exporters here. So please let your voice be heard. So thank you again to Wendy and to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for listening to Export Stories. Perhaps you have a good export story that you would like to share with us or a comment about today's podcast. You can send your ideas and comments to our website at exportstoriespodcast.com or to Betsy Olam on LinkedIn. Subscribe to our newsletter at exportstoriespodcast.com so we can alert you of upcoming episodes and share resources with you. We're building a community of export storytellers, so please share this podcast with your friends who have interest in exporting. 